I'm excited to share this message with you this morning. It is one of my very favorite. Um, and uh, the name of the message, if you're taking notes, uh, is Walking in the Grace of the Cross. And I've been able to share uh, the message uh, in uh, two different times, one with a group of high schoolers and then one with a group of junior hires who both had these questions about identity. And yet when I was deciding what to, to speak on this morning as things got uh, switched around a little bit, the concept of who we are in Christ is still applicable as a junior hire, as a high schooler, or you go right up the range. We still need to be reminded about who we are. We still need to know who we are in Christ. And so I hope that this morning will be a, a blessing to you. I don't expect that it's brand new information by any means. And I don't, uh, I don't think that's bad because if you're like me, thanks man, appreciate that. If you're like me, you need reminders because I'm so forgetful. I uh, forget the, the simplest of things, even the instructions my wife gives me. So this morning, I hope that uh, the message this morning about the power and grace of the cross becomes new to you once again, that it refreshes your heart, that we leave encouraged about what Jesus has done for us, about who we are now in the eyes of a, of a holy God. Um, and in order for this to be accomplished, uh, in order for us to leave knowing the joy of the Lord and leave uh, with a hope for the future, uh, we need the Spirit of God to do a work in us. So let's, uh, let's bow here and, and pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that uh, your word would lay heavily on our hearts this morning. And pray, God, that any distractions or anything else that we've carried in here that we would lay down uh, in light of who you are. And Father, I pray that even as I speak, that I would not get in the way with my own flesh or my own selfishness, and yet that you would use even a, a sinful man like me to bring your truth of grace and peace. And I would like to ask you guys that are listening today, if you'd pray uh, just briefly that the Lord uh, would touch your heart, that he would change your hearts. Father, we trust you because you are good, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the gospel is good news. Anyone agree with that? The gospel is, is good news. In fact, that, that's what the gospel means, is good news. And the good news of Jesus Christ is something to get excited about. It's something to build our lives around because it's changed everything. And yet, the crazy thing about the gospel, or not crazy, but one of the things about the gospel, and something that uh, churches are focusing less and less on, is that the beginning, the first part of the gospel, is actually some incredibly bad news, some, some horrid news, really. Bad enough news that it should bring fear and despair into the heart of those that hear it. It doesn't sound like good news, but... but but that is the foundation in which the good news is built on is the beginning piece of it, that it starts with horrible news. And so we're going to focus on that because until we recognize who we were uh, apart from Christ, uh, there's no way for us to truly appreciate what he's done, is there? So if you have your uh, Bibles, please turn to Romans 3.
And I'm excited to read this to you because those of us that have been brought from death now into life, it is essential that we live here, that we know who we are apart from Christ. So hopefully you're there and you can read along with me. Romans 3, verse 10 says this, As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. And their throat is an open grave. And with their tongues, they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, and their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. And this is significant, verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And we jump down to verse 23, and it's a common verse. You've probably heard it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Without exception, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And at the beginning of the gospel, this is where you are. Okay, this is not some other heathen that hasn't figured it. This is you, separate from God in every way imaginable. No fear of God in your heart. You have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the kicker comes in, in a later chapter, in Romans chapter 6, also verse 23, when we hear what the consequence of that rebellion against a holy God is. And the first part of that verse says this, and you've heard it, for the wages of sin is death. And that's the gospel. Yay, the gospel. Good news, right? No, the beginning is horrible news. And we need to come back often to this place to remember the horrible news about the gospel. And that is that you and I, apart from the grace of God, are desperately wicked and headed for hell. A literal, real hell. Jesus called it the, the lake of fire. Separation from a holy and loving God. And so the, the place or the response for, for those of us that find ourselves here, the, really the only proper response for anyone that finds themselves in a condition where they understand, yeah, I, I, I did that, I was wrong, this is mine to bear, I own this, I can't do anything about it. The only proper response out of that is, please, Grace. Grace. And we need grace. Do you agree? We need grace because in light of who we realize who we are, boy, if, if you understand that, the only proper response of a heart is, yeah, that's me, but please, no. Please, something else. Please, grace. And here's where the good news gets really good. Because Jesus has poured out grace on us. So help me with this because we're going to talk about grace a lot. What is a good working definition of grace? And I've asked you this before, but let's hear what's a good working definition of grace that we can go off of today. Anyone willing to, to share? Not all at once. We have a time limit. 
Getting what you don't deserve. I like it, okay? Getting what you don't deserve. Unmerited favor. Very good. I want to tell you that it is my joy in light of what we just read. It is now my joy to read to you exceptional news. And so turn, if you will, to Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. And follow along closely because, listen, uh, it's possible in the past you have even taken these words for granted. It's, it's possible, I know probably not you, but, but for me, that I have looked at these words without being moved. And so today, this morning, as we gather as believers, let that not be the case, okay? And so understand how precious the words are that we're about to read. And it is uh, my joy that I get to read them to you. Ephesians 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit is, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And some of you are saying, okay, I, um, that's still the bad news. We just, uh, but here it is, here it is. Verse 4, but God. My friend Justin Phelan says his favorite two words in all of Scripture is found in this verse, but God. And listen now to the radical change between who we are and who he is. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yes. Yes good news that is grace that is good and in a matter of moments we have gone from being a dead bloated corpse to now alive in Christ and I want to present to you this morning that if if that does not begin to stir in you an affection for the Lord Jesus if that does not begin to uh, cause a response, even if it's just uh, a mental response of that's good, thank you, Jesus, then we need to examine that. We need to figure out what's going on there because this is good news. We are completely new in Christ. And according to verse 7, that which was so disgusting, namely us, instead now has been held up as a trophy of God's grace. Let me read verse 7 real quick. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So that which was dead, namely us, but has been made alive through Christ, through faith, is now 
being held up as a trophy of grace for eternity for all to see. And so now God comes in and he says, hey, angels, 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 come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. You, you see Tiffany? You remember when she was dead? You remember that? Remember that? Look at her now. Look what I've done. She's alive. That's my grace. And now instead of uh, the disgusting uh, mess that we were, now in Christ, we are presented as God's delight and held up for eternity as an example of what only he could do. That's your story. That is a huge part of your identity. And understanding anything less than that is, is missing what the gospel really is. Are you ready for more good news? Thanks, Beth. Beth is. Everyone else can go. Beth, let's have a conversation. There's more. There's more good news. <laughs> Nate, you need this. Get down. <laughs> the grace of the cross needs to be a reminder that again erupts in this fountain of praise to the Lord Jesus because peace has been found. Peace has been found through what Jesus has done. But there's more. And so 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, and now as I hope you're starting to get a taste of what the good news of the gospel is, I hope now you will turn to 2 Corinthians 5 with a little anticipation, with a little excitement because there's more good news about who you are and your identity. 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Listen to this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, praise God, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, listen closely, for our sake. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We might become the righteousness of God. And so as a believer, you may sometimes question or try to figure out, okay, well, who am I? What's my identity? What does this mean? Well, listen, your identity as a 
redeemed believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is that you have been made to be the righteousness of God in him. And that's now your identity. That's now who you are. And, and, and boy, if you read the New Testament, the phrase in Christ is repeated so often. And why is it repeated? Why is in Christ such an important thing? Because Jesus said it himself, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. So is our righteousness found in our own effort and in our own, uh, okay, I'm new now, and so my righteousness must be, is it found in us? No, it's found in, in Christ. And now our identity is that of one that has been so radically changed from that filthiness, not only forgiven and made new, but now we stand in the very righteousness of God. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God, covered in the favor and grace that he has poured out on us. Why? Because he poured out his wrath on his son to purchase you. And he bought you with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Praise be to God for his indescribable gift. And that's grace. And grace, the grace of the cross, has made you clean, has made you new, has made you forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And so in light of this, I want to put forth a question, and many of you have heard this question asked before, and uh, the question was, asked to me in a, in a book called Grace Walk when I was a junior in college. Uh, but I want to ask you this question, and I think uh, it helps to illustrate something really powerful. Uh, it's actually a, a question of your own identity, and so even if you want to just, just close your eyes for a second. I know that's weird. Don't worry. I won't do anything weird. I know we're in church. It's weird, but close your eyes. And uh, think with me here. I want you to think over the last year, and I, I want you to just evaluate how to go. Um, what you did, uh, both good and bad, and maybe even <laughs> more importantly, what you didn't do, both, both good and, and bad. And then I want you to answer this question to yourself. If, if I handed you a piece of paper and I told you to write down a number between 1 and 10, and the number here will be representing how, how happy do you think God is with you at this moment? Uh, one would mean... Boy, he, he's upset at me. Uh, he's, he's obviously pretty <coughs> disappointed in my behavior. He's upset in, in how I'm acting and what I've been doing. Uh, and 10 on the other side of the scale would be a, a total acceptance. He's totally thrilled with you right now. Uh, what would you write down on that piece of paper? And I want you just to think about that for just a, a few seconds. Everyone got your number? All right, go ahead and open your eyes. I feel like I should be doing a magic trick or something, but <laughs> I got nothing. Okay. All right, so open your eyes and look up here. Remember, think of the number that you would come up with, and I want to tell you something. The only, for those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus for salvation, listen to this, the only number that is the correct answer is a perfect 10. Total acceptance. And you say, wait, 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 
You weren't inside my mind. You don't realize what I did last year. You don't even realize, more importantly, the things that I said no to on God. I can't be a perfect 10, and I, and I, I, I stink. And I, You're right. You do stink. You do. And you say, I'm a failure. You're right. You're a failure. All right? And even in your own self-loathing, you probably don't even realize how big of a failure you really are and how much you really do stink. And yet here's the beauty of the gospel. You see, it's never been about you. And it never will be about you. It is only about Jesus and his righteousness being placed on you. And so when the Father sees you, guess who he sees? He sees his own son, who is absolutely at all times all sufficient and a perfect ten. And so your identity is not now one of a failure or one of, of one that can not get it right. You are now resting in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's good news. That's grace. Some of us had, have had wonderful fathers that have shown us incredible grace, some unconditional grace. Uh, raise your hand if this is church time, it's time for confession. Raise your hand if you've done some stupid things in your life, okay, and had to fess up to dad about it, okay. And some of us have had excellent fathers that have known how to handle that situation and, and done it with grace and even shown unconditional grace. A and others of us, we have not had a good experience with our fathers, and there's, there's wounding there. And there's times we can even remember of, of where there was not grace shown, where there was things that were really wrong and hurtful. And so uh, perhaps it's, it's hard for us to believe that anyone, any kind of dad or father could love us unconditionally the way that our Heavenly Father does. I was <laughs> blessed that I have a father, and he's not perfect, and I, I got some good stories to tell you about that. But I'm gonna, I'll share a story with you about a typical interaction with my dad. Uh, yeah, there he is. <laughs> not then someone closed that door, would you? <laughs> Picture a Minnesota night with a bit of a snowstorm happening. And some freshly laid, beautiful ice. And picture a 16-year-old boy asking his dad if he could take the van and go visit his cousin. And his dad said, yes. And the 16-year-old boy said, what? And he said, yes, go. And so the 16-year-old boy, using every precaution possible, <laughs> using all the tools that he had available to safely navigate from point A to point B, had the unfortunate circumstances of interacting with ice on the ground, okay? And so my cousin, who lives here, he has, you turn in off the street, I don't, I'm probably, anyway, and you come down a hill, basically, a slight hill. You don't realize it's a hill until it's covered in ice. And then it's a turn, pretty sharp turn, and there's all this forest, nothing but woods here, and then you'll eventually get to his house. And so um, I was taking it so slow, and I was going to prove that I was capable at 16-year-olds to, uh, to get through this. And uh, I turned left, and I, oh, this, this is a little slippery. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow down just a little bit. So I started pumping my brakes and uh, pumped them some more. That's what you do. For those of you that aren't great ice drivers, that's what you do. You pump your brakes, and that's supposed to solve everything on ice 
And, but I pumped them and pumped them. And even though I was pumping my brakes, I increased the speed. And I'm, I'm not, this was like, uh, it was silly because it was probably 300 yards of just sliding and knowing I could have brought out the phone. I'm like, Dad, um, I'm sliding and I'm going to hit something soon. Just wanted to let you know. I'm, hold on. I got a few more feet. You know, that's how long I was sliding for. And I slid and I turned. I thought, well, I'll just whip around. I'll just maybe do donut and then stay in the middle. And I turned, and instead the momentum just carried me right in, and I slammed the car into the woods, and uh, a tree was like right here, and it dented into the van like right here, inches from my head. And when I rolled down the window to assess the damage, I looked and I saw the front wheel, it, it was just gone. It had just been popped off. Uh, So I ice skated down to my cousins, and I called my dad, and uh, I said, Dad, you would not believe how icy it is. You be careful when you come here, but I have to show you something when you get here. <laughs> and he came, and, and uh, I went, and I, I, I said, I'm going to get back in the van and make it look like I'm really trying to get it out of here. You know, so I'm in the van. I'm sitting there, and I come, and I see my dad. Somehow he navigated the ice. He's a magician. And uh, <laughs> he comes up to the window to talk to me, and I'm just thinking, oh, man, this is not, not going to be good. And uh, he looks, and I, I, I point, and he sees the wheel. And I just see him, like, at first, I'm like, is he crying? But no, he just starts laughing. <laughs> and he, he starts, and he gets, he's in this uncontrollable laughter. And at first, I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, I was almost killed. Why are you, you know, <laughs> I was a little offended by it. But, and he was laughing. Uh, and, and that was the interaction of that day. There was no blame to be placed. There was no, boy, you're an idiot. There was, it, that was not the interaction. And in that moment, I was shown unconditional grace. And so that long, drawn-out story is to say that I understand what it is to be shown unconditional love and grace. And so for me, even though through the Spirit's power, I can get a hold or a concept or an understanding of what I've been given from my Heavenly Father, how He views me. But for those of us that, that have no concept of that, it is a, a, an enormous leap to believe that anyone could love us that way. One of the greatest thrills in my life in ministry was when uh, several years ago, speaking out uh, in Camp Elam, in 2007 at their middle school camp. And I gave a very similar uh, message that I am giving today about our identity in Christ and, and how uh, God designed us personality-wise and, and, and how we look just how he wanted us to be so that we could bring him the most glory and how he thinks we're beautiful and lovely. And everyone left, and I thought, this is, what a success. And uh, as I was walking out uh, a little a little black girl, and uh, the counselor came in, and she was just weeping. And I thought, oh, boy. And her counselor said, she wa Michaela wants to talk to you. And so I sat down with Michaela, and I knew Michaela's uh, history. Michaela had come from a broken home where there were issues of abuse. Um, and Michaela wanted to have a conversation with me. And she says, I don't believe what you said tonight. I said, whoa. I said, what do you mean? What? Why don't you believe that? And she said, and she just started crying harder. She said, because I'm not pretty. I'm not beautiful. 
And you said that God thought that I was beautiful. And I remember because the weight of uh, the message that I had just given, maybe carelessly even, hit me in that moment. And I remember holding Michaela, and, and for a little while I couldn't talk because I was just, just weeping with her. I remember just giving her a kiss on the head, and uh, I just remember just praying, and I remember just trying to reassure her, God loves you that much. God loves you that much. He designed you. He, he wants relationship with you. He loves you. And one of the most exciting things was just to watch her countenance change as the Spirit of God lifted the weight and wounds of uh, past failures from fathers and, and parental figures, and instead now as she understood what grace was. It was actually, God's so cool in, in how he works, but it was actually in um, that moment in 2007, Abby had been uh, telling me that God was, was saying that we needed to adopt a, a little African-American boy. And I was resisting, and I said, no, he, no. He wants us to wait. Maybe when our, all our kids are grown and we're gone, we'll, we'll do that then. And uh, in this moment, holding Michaela, uh, one of the, the, it wasn't audible, but one of the, the times that the Lord has spoken to me most clearly was just uh, this overwhelming presence of, you will love your son with unconditional love so that he knows the love of an unconditional father. And I was just like, okay, you win. I get it. And this morning, I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know what your experience is. I don't know where you are. But I want you to know that God wants to reveal to you the same way he revealed to Michaela, the same way he even revealed to me that night about your identity in Christ. He wants you to understand the grace that has been poured out on the cross. I have one more story for you, and we'll conclude with this. My children are so precious to me, and, and uh, I tease about them. I like to joke about them, but I'm just really in love with them. And so I want to share this illustration that a, a man named Matt Chandler, this is just really stolen from him, but it just meant so much in my life and, and impacted me such a way that uh, I want to use it this morning to hopefully bring this point home. Um, and so, as parents, there's something special about your firstborn, okay? Let me, just real quick, show of hands, I do this, firstborns, raise your hand. All right, this story will help explain a lot of the things you have going on. And secondborns, second, any secondborns? All right, Steve, this will probably be therapeutic for you, or at least help you understand why some of the things happened, Okay. Anyways, your firstborn is born, and for us, that was Maya Elizabeth Leverance, okay? And everything that Maya did was new, you know, and it was just, you could not wait for the next thing, all right? And so Maya, as a baby, she was cute, and I think people thought she was cute, and yet probably because of my fault, but she had this enormous head, and she had a body that was <laughs> as skinny as possible. She basically looked like an orange on top of a toothpick, was Maya. And so 
Maya started doing some new things. And you remember with this firstborn, it's like, yes, you want, you're pushing new thing. The second one, you're just like, oh, you walked? Okay, go to the fridge and get me something. You know, it's just a totally <laughs> different, but for the first one, at least, it's like, whoa. And so she, Maya, stands up on the side of the coffee table, you know, her head. <laughs> and I'm, 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 you know, you almost have to whisper, it might be happening. You know, and at that point, you don't, you're, you're so obsessed with the first steps that you have cameras holstered to you. You know, you're not going to miss the opportunity to see these first steps. So I'm, I'm shouting, and so then sure enough, Maya, let's go. Of, and I can't even, bad father, I don't even know how old she is at this point. But anyways, that's a side note. Pretend I didn't say that. Anyways, okay, so she is here, and she's wobbling. And not so much of her skill as just her instinct for survival was the new realization of gravity. And so she either had the opportunity to die, or as she fell, and then she's crashed. So three steps, and then onto her face. And you would have thought that she had just won a gold medal in the Olympics. You know, yes! We're high-fiving. We're fist-bumping. Then Abby, no, she doesn't fist-bump. So anyways, we're high-fiving, going crazy. We're calling people. She just walked. She's a genius. Hanging up the phone. Out of our minds because of this little girl taking a few steps. And just so excited. And listen, this is my experience. I've gotten to see other people uh, that tell their story about their kids' first steps. And I have yet to meet the father that says the story this way. Yeah, she only took three steps and then fell. <laughs> Disappointing. You know, <laughs> I've yet to hear the father say that. Because as fathers, we rejoice in the steps. And so, yeah, she falls three times. It was, pick her up, pick her up. Walk to me, walk to me. And one, two, down, you know. And you get her up again, and you're like, you're, walk to me, walk to me. And so for that first however long, all they are is just like bruised knees and elbows and scrapes. And then it's crazy. Then they start to walk a little bit more. And then before you know it, uh, don't get misty-eyed on me here, fathers, but before you know it, they are, they're running, uncoordinated running. So they're biffing, running into stuff. Everything is like right at this level. So always have bonks. But they're running, and they're falling less. And then pretty soon they... They get coordinated, and they're trucking around, and yet they still trip every once in a while, and they fall. And they scrape their knees, and you go and you pick them up. So can you imagine with me, just, just for a second, can you imagine with me that your heavenly Father views you this way? And he says, angels, angels, look, look, look. She's walking. She's walking. Oh, get up, get up, get up. It's okay. Come on, come on, come on. That's great. Don't be sad. That was great. Last time you just fell over. This is great. Keep coming, keep coming. And Satan's over there and he's saying, looks like a pumpkin with a toothpick. Shut up, Satan. <laughs> they belong to me. They're mine. And the father is rejoicing in the steps. And we get so caught up and he's mad at me. I keep failing. Yes, you fail. You will continue to fail. But it's never been about you and it never will be about you. No amount of success that you could ever have would be enough to earn the favor of God or to do anything that would please him in his own eyes. The only position you have is the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus. 
And so now when the Heavenly Father sees you, he sees his own son. And he's pleased and he rejoices. And he wants to push you further. He wants you to start running. And when you biff it, he wants to pick you up and say, I love you. I forgive you. Now go. See, it is exhausting when we make it about us, isn't it? It is exhausting. It wears us out. And yet it is not about us and it's never been about us. It's about walking in the grace of the cross. And he presents it to us. He says, walk with me, abide with me, know me, love me, because I cherish you. I want what's best for you. Will you pray with me? Maybe there's some in here this morning that have just been feeling so beat up by what the world has been throwing at you. Maybe you're feeling just really worn out and overwhelmed by trying and trying and trying and just feeling like you keep failing and failing and failing. And God this morning in his grace wants to free you from that. And through the Spirit's power, he wants to unlock instead this abiding relationship where you rest in Jesus. So as I pray, you just be praying to yourself too, please, that God might unlock in you a, a hunger for this grace, a knowledge of this grace, an appreciation for the grace that we've been shown. Dear Father, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here that have been given everything, even though we deserve nothing. And Father, we're so grateful that when you see us, you see your Son, the Lord Jesus, instead of our imperfections. And the love you have for us is so real and so tangible and will last for eternity. And yet, God, this world is hard and we get confused and we take our eyes off you, Jesus, and we put them on ourselves and we fall. And so instead, Father, through your spirit, allow us to abide, allow us to remain, allow us to draw close. And heal our wounds, any wounds that we have from this world which is broken and dark and instead overwhelm us with the grace that's been shown to us. And Father, if there's some in here this morning that have not experienced what it is to have their sins forgiven, I pray, God, that you would rest heavily on them, that you would open the eyes of their heart to see the free gift of salvation and all that it entails. Make us a grateful and thankful people Allow us to walk in the grace of the cross, I pray, Jesus. Amen.